Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, welcome to 17 Questions. Each week, we'll be asking celebrities, YouTubers, and authors 17 randomly selected questions that'll make you think, what's the most ridiculous thing you've ever bought? And where is the line between soup and cereal? This week, our very special guest is Lev Rosen. Lev is an author who has written several books for both adults and children. He came in to answer 17 questions and tell us all about his YA debut novel. Can you tell us your name and a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Lev Rosen, uh, also known as L.C. Rosen, and I am the author of Jack of Hearts and Other Parts. I am a New York City native, born and raised. Can you tell us about something that you're working on at the moment? Uh, yeah, I am. This is the last day I'm going home today, but uh, I have been here in the UK all week publicizing my new book, Jack of Hearts and Other Parts, uh, which is a young adult novel about a out and proud gay student at a New York City high school who has a prolific sex life, uh, which is fodder for the rumor mill. And he's convinced by his friend to write a sex advice column for her blog, uh, but doing so gets him a secret admirer whose notes become more and more threatening as they try to essentially force him back into the closet. What was the last photo you took? Oh, uh, there is a terrifying painting or print or something in my hotel room, and I took a photo of it because no one would believe me. It's two women, uh, one on either side of another woman who looks like she's screaming, and the other two women on her sides are whispering into her ears. And then for some reason in front is a strange animal, like just sort of very happily running along while this woman screams as two other women whisper in her ear. Really disturbing. No one believed me. (laughs) What's the most ridiculous thing you've bought? I have, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but it has been the best thing in the world. I have a giant spherical hippo stuffed animal. It's like beach ball sized. It is very large. Its name is Hippo, because apparently I wasn't feeling creative that day. And it is amazing. Uh, When my husband leaves in the morning, because I get to sleep later than him, the Hippo takes his place. And it is so squishy and giant and wonderful and completely ridiculous. What always cheers you up when you think about it? My cat. Well, as long as she's not in the room. If she's in the room, she's probably doing something bad, and then I get annoyed. But when you know you're far away from your cat, oh, I miss my cat. (laughs) If you owned a restaurant, 
What kind of food would you serve? Uh, well, I'm vegetarian, so it'd be a vegetarian restaurant, and it would probably be very carb-heavy. But there'd be some vegetables in there. I, you know, I like spinach, I like broccoli, I like some green stuff. But yeah, no, it'd be pasta. It would be lots of pasta. What topic could you spend hours talking about? Um, I can go on about <laughs> a lot of stuff. There, I could talk to you about film noir, Broadway musicals, queer theory, the uh, forced heterosexualization of queer culture, uh, and the ways in which we need to sort of find our own queer identities outside of a heterosexual mainstream, uh, or Victorian literature. What did you Google last? Sexy flamingo costume. Any follow-ups? What movie or book do you know the most quotes from? Uh, movie, it would be Labyrinth, David Bowie. Amazing. Um, book, hmm. uh, I can probably quote, this is a play, I could probably quote Importance of Being Earnest fairly well, although it's been a while. I feel like I'm not called upon to quote things very often, which is probably for the best in the long run. Oh, or should I have said one of my books? Can I quote my I can't quote my books. That would be a lie. What social stigma does society need to get over? Well, there are many, but uh, while I'm here publicizing my book, <laughs> I will say that uh, the social stigma I would love to see society get over the most is probably... The idea that there is a correct way or a proper way to be queer. And I am much more in favor of the idea that every queer person gets to be their kind of queer and that there's no right or wrong to that. What outdoor activity haven't you tried but would like to? Um, my husband has gone skydiving. I'm not sure I had the nerve for that. Uh, it was before we met. Uh, but... Maybe. I, I, did, I did jump off a large cliff once, and it was really fun. So I feel like skydiving would be the same, but also, you know, more deadly. If Can you skydive into water? Does that make it less deadly? I feel like I would feel more psychologically at ease if I skydived into water. What's the oldest thing you own? All right. Well, the oldest thing of mine that I own is a stuffed animal from when I was very little, which is a white dog named Cal Cauliflower. Um... Oldest thing passed down uh, on my husband's side of the family. We have a lot of heirlooms. His mother is from from here. His mother uh, came to the U.S. when she was little, and he still has family here. And we have like his great grandmother's desk from the late eighteen hundreds. Um, my family, you know, fled to New York after my grandmother found her cousin swinging from a tree in the Ukraine during the pogroms. So we don't, we didn't take as much stuff. Um, but, uh, I do have, uh, I have, let's see, my mother had a bow tie in the sixties that I now have. <laughs> it's paisley. It's wonderful, but hideous. Uh, and I'm trying to think, oh, I have my grandfather's ring. Um, that is, that must be pretty old. Um, it just has his initials on it. What are your top tips for getting over writer's block? Oh, okay. So I actually have a whole method. <laughs> and I highly... Oops, I, I bumped the thing. I have a whole method, and I highly recommend it um, based on a theory that makes no sense. So 
I think that if you are having real intense writer's block, the thing you need to do is find another creative, artistic thing to work on. So uh, if you're having writer's block, it's a good idea to maybe spend a while drawing or painting or um, I really enjoy dyeing fabric uh, like in strange patterns with natural stuff from my mother's garden. Um, so any sort of creative work. And the reason I believe this works, which I know is scientifically wrong, is that the part of your brain that is in charge of writing is in the artistic cluster of your brain. And so the other artistic thing is right next to it. And if you uh, work the like the painting, drawing, dyeing side of your brain, and it's right next to the writing side, it pulses a little, massaging the writer's side of the brain until it relaxes enough for the writer's block to go away. I'm doing hand gestures, which no one will be able to see, but it makes sense. It makes sense. Perfect sense. <laughs> what animal or plant do you think should be renamed? Oh, that's a weird one. Um... You know what I would do after a week here in the UK? I would happily start calling Arugula Rocket more often. You guys definitely picked the better name there. It just sounds so much more fun. I mean, I like Arugula or Rocket or whatever you want to call it. But like when you call it Rocket, it's like, ooh, it's a taste sensation. It's going to blast off in my mouth. I mean, how can you not get excited for Rocket? But Arugula, although it has a pleasant, you know, mouthfeel, let's say. <laughs> it's fun to say, it's just not as exciting. Something else can be arugula. It has a bad name right now. We'll make arugula rocket, and then we can make... Mm, uh, let's make spinach into arugula, because I don't like saying spinach. It doesn't, it doesn't roll off the tongue as nicely. So that's what we're doing, guys. Arugula is now rocket in the U.S. We're, uh, and everywhere else. But this means that U.K. is going to have to adapt, too. And spinach across the world will now be called arugula. What person or place gives you the most inspiration? Oh, that's a good one. Um, uh it depends on what I'm working on. Different things give me different inspiration. Certainly living in New York City, very inspiring. But like right now, I'm working on something that takes place in San Francisco. And just reading about the history of queer San Francisco is extremely inspiring. Um, or my first book took place in Victorian London. Well, of science fictional version of Victorian London. Very inspiring. Um, and Lauren Bacall, always very inspiring. Uh and, oh, yeah, saw Gillian Anderson in All About Eve the other night. Always inspiring, everything she does. So, you know, it really depends on what I'm working on and what they inspire specifically. Um, they can't all be Gillian Anderson, who you could picture in literally any role, and she'd be perfect. And so you just want to create something new for her. Um, but all sorts of different places and things inspire different interests in places and things. What question would you like to ask a time traveler from 200 years in the future? Honestly, I think the first thing I would say is, wait, we live that long? Like, oh, good, we didn't destroy the world, hooray! Um, uh, or I would say, how many of you are left? How many, how many of us survive um, to make it 200 years into the future? Did we fix the climate change situation? Uh, are people living on floating cities? What's going on? I would be very concerned about that. Oh, what animals are left? <laughs> uh, all my questions would be deeply depressing. What's the weirdest conversation you've overheard? 
you hear a lot on the train in New York City, and I imagine in London too, but I haven't been, like I said, the memories haven't been forming as well. Um, but, okay, so here's, this is less of a conversation. This is something that happened to me, but it was sort of a conversation. Train in New York, woman gets on, she has um, a baby in a wrap, but it's on her back. So the baby's like on her back, sort of peeking over her shoulder, very cute. And with her is another woman who's holding a bottle up to the baby, feeding the baby as they walk into the train. Um, and the it, I was like, all right, cute. They're friends, they're wives, whatever. Um, and there's a seat next to me, and the woman with the baby sits down, and I get up and I offer it to the woman holding the bottle, who's just shakes her head, no, no, that's all right, and hands me the bottle. And I suddenly am like, what what is happening here? What is going on? And the woman with the baby is like, Can you just can you just give the she just feed the baby on my back because I can't because it's on my back? And I'm like, okay. So I stick the bottle in the baby's mouth. Baby seems very happy. But then I like, you know, I don't really want to be responsible for anything here. <laughs> I don't know these people. So I try to sort of tuck the bottle into the wrap so that it's just sort of held there. Um, because I am also getting off at the next station and I don't know how to pass this responsibility off to someone else. Um, so I, I tuck it in. It immediately falls out, um, luckily, into the woman's lap. But she does not hand it back to me at that point. She perhaps realized that I was hopeless. Um, and I got off at the next stop feeling very much like I'd suddenly been wrapped into being a parent for half a second without consenting to it beforehand. And yeah, that's not a conversation. I guess it's very silent conversation all through like motions <laughs> and confusion. But that moment when this other woman who'd been holding the bottle slowly backed away, vanishing into the crowd, leaving me with the bottle was one of the strangest, most horrifying moments of my life. <laughs> This has been 17 Questions with me, Lev Rosen. Thank you for listening to 17 Questions. If you love this episode, please subscribe, share, and give us a good rating wherever you download your podcast. Before you go, if you have any questions you'd love to hear our guests answer, tweet us or drop us a message at 17 Questions across all social. See you next week. 